Hi, I'm Jane Stahl, retired high school English teacher and director of community relations at Studio B Fine Art Gallery in Boyertown, Pennsylvania. And this is the Be Inspired podcast. My guest and I hope that in the few minutes you spend with us, you'll be surprised and delighted to meet someone new, become aware of projects going on in your neighborhood, and maybe entertain a new way to look at the world. Look, we all need to keep our spirits up in these challenging times, and I can't think of a better way to lift up our spirits than to meet interesting, passionate folks and learn about what they're doing to make life better for all of us. And so, join me now for the Be Inspired podcast. Hello, Be Inspired audience. I'm here today with a new organization, and I don't know very much about it, so I'm going to let them talk to you. It's called Working Together, and we are here on what used to be the grounds of Fellowship Farm. For those of you who go back a while, uh, perhaps you remember Fellowship Farm, and I know we'll get some history, but I'm here with Ted and David and Gretchen Lee, who got me together, got me here today. <laughs> with the idea that this is an exciting new project going on and I should know about it and allow my listeners and readers to know about it too. So, Ted, why don't you start? Tell me where I am and what I'm doing here, please. Okay. You're on the site of what was known for years and years, since 1950, of Fellowship Farm. Mm -hmm. Fellowship Farm is a, has a, a long history of racial and social justice, uh, Martin Luther King was involved in 1961. John Lewis, the famous no congressman kidding. from Atlanta, was the 75th anniversary speaker. Um, people like Harry Belafonte, Frank Sinatra, Benny Goodman, uh, Margaret Mead, the famous anthropologist, all lent their name to be involved in this fabulous place. Um, sadly, it went um, out of business about 10 years ago. Like many nonprofits, it was struggling to I understand. pay yes. their bills. Um, so... We see ourselves as a um, another chapter in a rich history of racial and social justice. Working together is a little bit different uh, okay. from the mission of work of Fellowship Farm, but in many ways we have uh, a lot of similarities. Uh, we have a particular population that we serve here, people, and that is uh, almost everybody. And you're going to hear from Isaac in a little bit. His or one of our staff members living on site. Uh, what we have here is a site that will uh, be quite unusual. It's very different. There's nothing like this in the tri-state area in which we're talk we, we see ourselves as a two-year residential program. Transition two, two program is what I understand. Yeah, some people call it transitional. We think it's more fundamental than transitional. Is there, okay. The people that we are that will be here um, overwhelming majority, 99% plus, will be in, in uh, recovery okay. from, from substance abuse, which I have been my, myself for 35 years. Uh, they will be in recovery from substance abuse. Um, almost all of them will be survivors of physical and sexual assault as children. Oh, my. And, um, and many, if not most of them, will have served prison terms. I understand. So uh, this population, if we didn't serve this population, what I can tell you is they would likely be in prison, yeah. in a mental institution, 
um, on the street, homeless, yep. or dead. Yes. So um, that's a that's a kind of a stark comment to make, but it's it's reality. And that really gives a great summary of your mission and what you hope to do here. Now, how there? I have so many questions. How did you personally get involved in this through your own recovery? You developed a compassion and empathy for this particular demographic. An often asked question. Um, the simple answer to that is a number of years ago, I was cooking. I've been accused of being a gourmet cook. Uh, that might be true. <laughs> accused. Huh? Accused. Um, <laughs> that I was cooking for people. Um, the pastor of my church encouraged me to do a meal and, and provide a message for people who were at that point in time were called homeless. Now, there were a few of them that were absolutely living under the bridge homeless. Okay. Most of them were couch surfing from family yes, member yes, to family yes. member mm-hmm. or from one uh, institution to another that had 30-day maximum stays. I don't even remember who, but somebody said, why don't you go visit Delancey Street Foundation? And I went to San Francisco and I met with them. And it really, really opened my eyes. I sat down and had lunch. I spent three days with them. I sit down at a table and say, this fellow would say, hi, I'm Juan. I was one of the Crips. I'm, I'm Jose, I was one of the Bloods, you know, gang members. Gotcha. Um, I, I'm Susie, I was a hooker. Okay. Um, I'm Bob, I was living under the Dumbarton Bridge. I'm Joe, I got out early on 5 to 10 for armed robbery. Wow. And what I found was these people, were they weren't just homeless. There was a whole cross-section of people that had numerous issues, many of them. And what I came to understand over time is not always then, but it came to understand over time, is they were all survivors of physical and sexual assault. Wow. And to that end, I decided, as I started to move toward building a program, I decided to go back to school. No I, kidding. And I had... And, I, pardon me, how long ago was this? This was almost 15 years ago. Okay. Um, I had... Um, I've been known as kind of an eclectic background. I'm basically a business guy. I did... Worked at night doing a master's in business. Um, then never finished it because I started my first business. Okay. Um, I have a d- degree from the seminary that I did over a 15-year period, part-time. Wow. Um, and then recently, I'm a dissertation away from a doctoral program in marriage and family therapy. I did that specifically. So to, that. So I could be involved in serving this population of people here. Right. Even though I can't be a therapist myself. Okay. Because there's too many boundary issues being the director. Okay. But sure. We, we need sure. to have know what we have a very specific program here, which is what's called a trauma informed approach to psychotherapy. Now, is this an established program somewhere? Something you created? Very good question. Um, this one is will be unique to us, okay. uh, and we will have a lot of things that we'll, none others will have. But we're following. It's a very very good question. We're following the. Uh, three different, what are known as TCs, therapeutic communities, three different therapeutic communities that are already established in, in the United States. These two, um, there, there's two reasons why these, this, these TCs have been successful. I'm going to read right out of some of our materials that says, um, the, and we're mirroring our program after these three. Okay. These three organizations have demonstrated that one, the therapeutic community model, the TC model, has proven successful at rehabilitating the populations they are serving. Now, when I say that, if you look at the stats today, 
if you get released from prison, two out of three people mm-hmm. will be back in prison within two years. That's mm-hmm. horrible statistics. Yes, it is. They did a yeah. study in Salt Lake City at one of the therapeutic communities called TOSA, the Other Side Academy. And after three years, 90% of the people that they went three years, 90% of those people never committed another crime mm-hmm. and stayed sober and became productive members of society. No kidding. Now, so for the politicians... That's a pretty good statistic. Productive members of society <laughs> paying taxes. Yeah. So we're, there are three communities that we're mirroring. Um, now, the other second part of it that I loved as a business person... Okay. ...is they were self-sustainable. All of these people, we call them students... You some call them call them, we call them students. Students. Some people call them students. Some people call them residents. Some people call them uh, participants. Okay. Is that um, they all learn life skills and job skills. Yep. And what we say, we claim, by the time they were 13, the drugs and alcohol were the solution. Yes. Before they became the, Before yep. they became the problem. Right. So, number one, they never played a sport. Mm-hmm. Two, they never had a hobby. Right. right. They never they, they didn't play sports, they didn't play hobbies, they never could learn a musical instrument. We're giving them the chance to do all of that when they come here for two full years. It's at no cost to them. This no is kidding. key. No cost to them yeah. or their family. Because they work in one of our social enterprises that we call businesses. Okay. Well, we're starting with three businesses. We already have one, which is a, an automotive repair shop. Okay. Two, the, the, a moving company. Okay. Okay. Sure. And three is what we call landscaping and tree service. Love it. And we have this wonderful unfair advantage because people will actually want to be our customers. I'll give you an example. Delancey Street out in San Francisco. In the early 70s, they said, well, you know, two men in a truck, we'll, we'll, we'll do the same thing, three men in a truck at about the same price, but... Full disclosure, probably two out of the three, if not three out of the three, on that truck will be felons. Wow. So if you want to get a little cheaper move, mm-hmm. and here's the key, if you want to be part of the solution, yeah, we're for you. They built Delancey into the largest moving company in Northern California. No kidding. So we're looking to do the same thing. Now, Isaac, who you're going to hear from in a minute, <coughs> is from... Hi, Tro- Isaac. Isaac is from Trosa. Trosa is... A, a, a one of the TCs that we're modeling our program after. Mm-hmm. He was a um, he has an incredible story, Isaac, which you'll you'll hear. Um, you it 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 defies all logic that he is the sweet, um, caring human being that he is today with the horrible, horrible start that he had in life. Um, had all kinds of challenges, obstacles that most of us would just never ever come. But he's an example of the kind of people that we're looking to 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 invite to come here, mm-hmm. and at no cost to, to them or their families, they'll come for two full years. When they graduate from this program, they'll have life skills, mm-hmm. job skills, mm-hmm. and ho- hopefully, will be on their way to becoming you know more peaceful people, living with so, all the guilt and the shame and the trauma mm-hmm. that they experience as. Mm-hmm. as their start in life. So people like Isaac will, you know, will be helping other people here. Let me say one thing before we shift to Isaac. Okay. All of these programs, the part I loved 
about these programs, and we, we, we talk about this in, in our material in our materials. What we say is that uh, th these these people um, they were part of the, in addition to being therapeutically successful at serving the populations they were serving. The second part, which is key, because a, a, a nonprofit always has to survive. Yes. The economic model is viable, stable, and consistently produces positive cash flow year after year. After 53 years in operation, Delancey has a net worth of over $100 million. With 28 years in operation, Trosa has a net worth of $44 million. And with eight years in operation, Trosa has a net worth of $15 million. Now, how do they produce net worth? They have buildings, equipment, machinery, cash, because what they do is all those social enterprises produce cash. Okay. And what they do with that cash, it's fabulous. It's wonderful if you hear those people, those students talk about it. When they, when they talk about their figures, someone will, I've watched this, they'll step forward and say, you know, the moving company made $750,000 last quarter, right? Uh -huh. This quarter, we're going to make $790,000. Mm -hmm. And so the house... Yeah. is up 40000 They awesome. call themselves the house. Yeah. Because what they do is they take ownership because what they recognize is it goes, and at this rate, we're going to open Denver by November. No kidding. Delancey has seven different operations around the United States. Wow. Tosa has one in Denver, one in Salt Lake. Tosa has one in, they have 500 people down in Durham and another 100 starting in Winston-Salem. So what it is, everybody's invested in paying it forward. Because they yeah. feel like not only are they recovering, but they're helping others recover. Yes. So it's very meaningful, and one gets invested as a stakeholder in right. the whole operation. Right. Now you are five hundred one c three. So, is there grant money that is the foundation of how you began this? Another good question. Um, not unlike many organizations, there's always what's whether it be for a, a for-profit or non-profit, there's usually an entrepreneur. In gotcha. this case, there's a, it's a social entrepreneur. Okay. And those social entrepreneurs are both sitting at the table here. Okay. We've raised about three-quarters of the money, 80% of the money we need to start. No kidding. And that's, we, we have $2 million in here right now, either loaned or given in, in the way of gifts. 1.4 of that $2 million is... Jenna and I, that we no have loaned kidding. that to the organization, not untypical of many organizations. Now we're looking to raise the other five hundred thousand. Of that five hundred thousand, we're looking to raise by the end of this year, two fifty of it is to finish the construction, so we can take our first sixty-five students. Is that I was going to ask you how many students you anticipate? S starting with sixty-five. And when do you see that happening? Uh, hopefully in December. No kidding. And uh, otherwise, we're ready to go. And, um, and then the other 250 is we need working capital. Mm -hmm. The fabulous part about this, this structure, which is so unusual, is once we're up and rolling, mm -hmm. we don't need the state. We don't need individuals. We don't need grant writers and foundations. We can be self-sustainable. Now, we're not just making this claim. Three other therapeutic Three other therapeutic are in business, alive and well. So we're we're borrowing off of their success. Yes. And they all said to us, they said, look, you know, 
they've said to me is, Ted, you got this, right? You're yeah. a business guy. Yeah. You know what to do here. I said, right now you're learning from us. Yeah. We think we're going to learn as much from you as you're learning from us. Wow. Because we have some things here that are an advantage that they don't have. One of the things we have up top of the hill, we, is a, we have an advanced ropes challenge course. That was okay. years here. I was going to say, as you, part be, of... You'll be able to see that at the end of this this conversation here. I'd say it's so cool. <laughs> now, Thank you, right, Gretchen. Right, Gretchen. There, now, there now is... I take it, Gretchen, you've been on the ropes course and testified. Well, no, I had not the new one, but that's how I found Fellowship Forum. Oh. Through their ropes course. Did you talk to me a little bit about that? That's what do you mean you found story. Fellowship Farms? Okay, the, the ropes course. The Chamber of Commerce had offered to leaders that once a month, if you sign up for the program, once a month you'll learn about the community. Uh, one month, uh, one, one day of the week. So we learned about the education system, the septic system. But before we all did all this, we had a sleep overnight at Fellowship Farm. Hmm. And I must admit, the buildings were pretty bad at that point. <laughs> I did sleep in my clothes. You're a real sport, Gretchen. No, you but always the, have been. No, but the program <coughs> was so neat. There was a ropes course. So some guys who thought they were real tough, you know, you end up helping them over. Or, so, <laughs> or you know, or vice versa. You realize we all had strengths, we all had uh, weaknesses, and then I think we were, throughout the weekend, we were given projects to work on. And we really learned how to work together. But that, I thought it was so neat just to, by working together and going through things, you learn stuff about yourself, the people you were with. I just thought it was so cool. So I eventually they asked me to be on the board. Yeah. But yeah. It. Well, I first heard about Fellowship Farm through you because you were so passionate about what the mission of the organization was about and the people that we were helping and so But I did not know about the ropes course. <laughs> That's I was good. Really, I was surprised. That was really <laughs> fascinating. There is a man um, who is a educator. Um, he has been teaching classes in SEL, social emotional learning, to schools, teenagers, and high schools for thirty years. Okay. And as part of their program, they'll they'll take a day in the school, then they'll they'll take a day out on a ropes challenge course. Okay. And what they do in the ropes challenge course is what they learn in the program in school, mm-hmm. in more of a formal classroom setting, is they then reinforce. Because people, we deal with fear. Mm-hmm. We deal with anxiety. We, do, we deal with learning how to trusting ourselves and trusting others. Mm-hmm. All that is reinforced on a ropes challenge course. He has said that this is the nicest ropes challenge course he's ever seen anywhere. <clears throat> wow. So you, you'll, you'll be able to see it in, in a little bit. What this is, is a huge advantage for us at working together because as we uh, set out to follow our mission to -hmm. support this population that we will be serving, we need to be self-sustainable. We have some wonderful advantages that our other therapeutic communities, our compatriots, if you will, that don't have. We're the only ones that has a ropes challenge course. Okay. We're also the only one that's going to have a conference center. Okay. And the conference centers, not only is it, is it valuable for the, the greater community, when I say the greater community, the three, thri, you know, tri-state area, we'll have all kinds of opportunities, workshops, trainings, and conferences that, okay. that will be available to the general public at large that will also be revenue productive to us. Yes, definitely. So that's helps And do you us. see your students being part of these conferences? Absolutely. 
First of all, they're going to be putting them on in, of course. in, in some cases because they're, they'll be helping us provide food and, 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 and cleaning up and doing what we need to do uh, to put those conferences on. Secondly, they will be able to participate in them. For example, if you said, let's say Isaac was working on the moving company. We'd okay. go to Isaac and say, Isaac, on Friday, do you want to do a move? <laughs> and hump furniture all day or would you like to come to the conference that we're giving on how to do budgeting and how to balance your checkbook and how to <laughs> how to live on a budget and i'd like to know which isaac would choose <laughs> <laughs> yeah and my brother neil okay. um, is um, one of the smartest guys i know and i've had the privilege of knowing my entire life obviously being my brother um, he is a, a therapist by training. Okay. Um, he worked with youth at risk for 10 years, and then he worked in classic marriage and family therapy. The last 15 years, he worked as a, in, in the corporate world. Okay. You know, doing conflict resolution and team building. He's a professor at Temple. Wow. And mm-hmm. um, Neil is is leading all of that for us, our um, what I... What a resource. He's our director of what I call our director of experiential a- learning. Wonderful resource. He's completely designed the ropes course by him, you know, by himself. Wow. And what I'm doing is trying to build my my past history, yeah. you know, of, 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 as a as a business executive and a business leader, and bringing that to the to this sure to this place. So I said to him, "Look, I learned how to delegate very early." Yeah. And. I said, "I'm going to do the same thing here. You lead this." He yep. kept coming yep. back, saying, "You know, wanting me to." to help him in the decision-making process. No. And I said, this is yours, you take it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so yeah. I'm bringing all my life experience to yeah. this. Um, yeah. And I don't say this arrogantly, but I think because some other people said, look, you need to talk about this because I have a fairly strong legal leadership background in my early 30s. And by the way, that was back when I was still active in drugs and alcohol. Wow, okay. I had a company that um, incorporated magazine, Inc. Magazine used to have something called, today they call it the Inc. 5000. Back then, they called it the Inc. 500, fastest-growing companies in the United States. I was 32, 33, and I was in the Inc. 500, fastest-growing companies in the United States. Wow. And I'm still active with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Who knows where that might have gone without that. But anyway, what I'm saying is I, I bring that that life experience. I bring that expertise now, hopefully. Yes. Not hopefully, but doing the, the, bringing yes. that background to be able to, you know, because we need to pay our bills here. Yes. So not only do we need to make, help people get better, we need to be self-sustaining. Yes. So absolutely. I am yep. bring it now. Also, one last thing before we go to Isaac. Some of my I am a degree from the seminary. You know, I, I'm not pastoring, um, but I, I I'm an ordained minister. So mm-hmm. some of my Christian friends say, like, why are you not making this a Christian ministry? Mm-hmm. And the, the answer is simple: we want to be inclusive. Yes. So, like Bill and Bob, who started Alcoholics Anonymous, they were both Christians. They were both Christian believers, but they did not bring their faith to Alcoholics Anonymous. What they said was, we believe in a higher power. Yeah. And what they ended up doing was bringing much more inclusivity yeah. to that whole uh, yeah. uh, approach. And I think that's really, really important, really, really key. So that's what we're going to be doing yep. here. We're going to promote spirituality. Of course. Now, we'll have a Bible study, but we'll also, if somebody wants to study Hinduism, right. they want to st- study another faith tradition, love it. Well, what they would love, love for them to have that. What we're asking them to do is develop something which you have mind, body, and spirit. Yep. And develop a sense of spirituality. And it's their choice. 
Awesome. And, and it, now, you have some other important, very important people here around the table. Your wife, for example. Um, do you have any input to the establishment of this? Was this something that is, what do you say, um, basic to your way of living? My answer to that is <laughs> that my answer to that is I have told Ted numerous times I fully support what he's doing. Okay. I believe that this is God's calling on his life. Okay. And it has been for many years. Mm -hmm. It's coming to fruition now after um, some life situations that put it to a halt. The, the corporation was actually incorporated back in 2006. But due to some family situations and things that went on, we didn't. We he wasn't able to to bring it to fruition back then. So this has been a a dream, a vision that he's mm -hmm. had. I fully support it. I believe in it. Yeah. And I'm behind him. Now, if if I were to do this on my own, I would never. Do oh, it. totally understand. So, so let now, me ask her about her role. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a. Um, I have, I have a uh, long um, history of, I own my own business. I do bookkeeping and accounting services. Okay. And in that, the working with TED, it serves a, a huge purpose right now because we don't have, we're not active. We're not making money right, right now. And I, I do, I'm the CFO for this business. Very good. Yeah. Well, well, that's, and that's not all completely accurate that we're not <laughs> profitable because we acquired an well, that's true. Automotive right. um, and we had sales of about equivalent of about a quarter million dollars. We acquired that in October. Within three or four months, we were we were at a break even. Nice. After also paying a $7,000 a month payment to the owners. Yeah. We're, we're, it's owner finance over five years. We also have acquired another um, automobile um, repair relationship that went out of business. Okay. And we we acquired their customer list, hired their mechanic, hired their service writer. Yeah. So we're now at the equivalent of about five hundred thousand in sales. So we've doubled that in less than six months. And I am incredibly busy personally mm -hmm. in doing what I'm doing to raise money and, and rehab this uh, here. Jenna is basically leading that. She is leading that automotive repair shop. Wow. She is working with the um, the mechanics. She's working with the service writers. She's and this company had not. Um, they they had not done anything in, in the way of computerization. It was the old fashioned, oh, always goodness. on paper. Yeah. So she's brought that up. Wow. Now of course I'm involved, but she's one leading that. That's I. wonderful. And Dave, what is your relationship here? Let's see. So I was on the board of Fellowship Farm for, I don't know, eight, eight nine years, I guess. And when things started to, along with Gretchen, uh, when things started to slow down a little bit, um, mm -hmm. we realized that the Fellowship Farm was in some, um, you know, having some viability issues. And Ted happened to be at a meeting with me, and I kind of leaned over and said, hey, Ted, I think the farm's available. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say six months to a year later, oh. Ted... Uh, Put the resources together to purchase the 120 acres. Here. 120 acres. Yeah, How many yeah. buildings are on this property in which you hope to house the students? Oh, in terms of housing, I think it's either 
two or three. We'll start with, it's actually a total of four. Sure. We're kind of, we're looking at this in many ways as a business person would, which is kind of repurposing something. Sure. Before it, like the, the, the building in right now, it used to be called the lodge. We okay. completely tore this thing apart, put offices everywhere. Upstairs are psychotherapy offices. We'll double as, as, um. Conference rooms, conference and so rooms, or, or workshop uh, rooms, or learning a, a yes. hobby or an instrument. Um, there'll also be people living upstairs. Our conference room. Okay. There'll be some women living upstairs when we start. Our conference room over here is, is Isaac is currently living in right now. Okay. Um, this other our cottage over here that's right now doubling as a workshop will we'll house fourteen to sixteen students. Wow. Soon. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. Two stone houses over here. One will be for women, one will be for men. That'll be housing a total of about 40 people. So a, a grand total to start will be 66 people in our, in our forecast, in our five-year plan. And we challenge any CPA, any experienced business executive. Okay, you're going to have to say that again. We would challenge any um, CPA, any ex experienced business executive entrepreneur that says Jen and I have a minimum of 500 hours a piece yeah. in this five year forecast Yeah, it's very very um, detailed so um, that by the way is one of the opportunities that we have we, yes we are looking for gifts we're looking for people who would be willing to make a gift any nonprofit appreciates yes, that of course. and at the same time we have a promissory note which is we're paying 8% interest which is pretty competitive today interest only for three years for years mm -hmm. one through three and then Years four and five, we pay that note off mm -hmm. also at 8%. It's a pretty detailed, very sophisticated plan. And we believe that it's very little bit of risk primarily now, because there's so much equity in this property. Where um, and how are you? <coughs> I know recruiting is not quite the right word. How are you? How are the people coming to you? Good coming. Soon. It's soon. Students? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how many people have already found out about working together. Tell me a little about that. I've just been privy to hearing phone calls come in and someone calls and says, my brother just got out of prison. I heard about you. Okay. And, and I found out about you. And is he eligible to come? People from Eagleville Hospital. Okay, sure. Calling. I'm familiar with Eagleville. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, yep. so it, already the word is getting out. People from Chester County Prison are so making collect calls to Ted. And how will you choose? That's well. That's a good question because Isaac and I um, it, it, it are going to be with another staff member in training. We have is working here full time mm -hmm. now. Um, this fellow did eight years in prison. Um, he also is a, um, a survivor of physical and sexual assault, also in substance abuse issues. Uh, we're going, uh, we don't know how they found out of us, but Eagleville Hospital started calling us, yep. found out about us, went online, looked at everything we had and said, when will you be willing to accept some people? Mm -hmm. Isaac will be doing the interviewing process on Monday. No kidding. He's going to go interview three people up there. His last job his 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 only job, when he worked at Trosa, for he was a, a grad, he went there and he, for two years, graduated, and he did what many people we believe are going to do here, which is he 
is going to do a, he did a graduate year there. And in that graduate year, his responsibility, which showed you what they thought of him, okay. his primary responsibility was admissions. Okay. And he went into the prisons, in the jails, and interestingly enough, back to the same place where he was in jail, <laughs> and interviewed people. So on Monday, Isaac will interview three people who want to apply to extend their stay at Eagle View to be able to come here. Gotcha. Now I think we need to talk that's, to Isaac a just great, a little bit. So, Isaac, oh my gosh. Hello. Talk <laughs> to me a little bit about where you're from and how you got here. Okay. Um, so, Isaac, Isaac Artist is my name. Um, I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, so, I grew up. Um, first day, first day I was born, um, I was born to a mother. She was a prostitute crack addict. Um, she left us all in the hospital. At the, my, my grandmother ended up coming to get us. Okay. Um, stayed with her to the age of four, which she abused us. She tied us up to TVs. Put oh, duct, for heaven's sake. Duct tape over our mouths. DSS and eventually stepped in. And then after that, after they stepped in, my aunt came and got us. We stayed with my aunt from the ages four to 12. And okay. she mentally, physically and abused us. I can remember times she would punch us in the head and just abuse, major abuse. And there was times um, started which started my addiction. I can remember the youngest of ages. She was like, "Come here, let me blow this in your face. Breathe in hard as you can," and which was marijuana. So that led that started it right there, like early ages five, yeah. six, real early. And so that started my addiction, and so it just transpired on and on. And so at the age of twelve, DSS stepped in again. And they took us and they put us in the foster care group home systems. And so in which I stayed, I, I went to eight different foster homes, three different group homes, just a lost child. You know, I grew up in this project. And so this child is just going into the system. And so, you know, I had I had some struggles in the foster care group home system. And the struggles were also brought to me, um, which while I was physically, mentally and sexually abused in the foster care system and group home system. And, and which just transpired into more addiction, turned 18, transitioned out. And all I really knew was addiction. So that was just like my path in addiction, crime. Um, next thing you know, um, prostituting, um, smoking crack. Uh, next thing you know, I, I see my mother. I start smoking crack with my mother. I start... We started sharing rooms. She would prostitute, then I would go in and prostitute, and it just it just transpired and just escalated. And then jail time, jail time came again, and my last little bid in the county. I stayed a year, and that's where I really like sat down and thought about my life. In jail. In jail. In jail. And then <laughs> so someone in jail, everybody in jail knows about the Trosa program. That's just like. It's just like they just automatically know. Just like when we're, when we open, they're all going to know. It's just an automatic because gotcha. like, this is a free place. So do you think the people that you were residing with, shall we say, in prison would be happy to have this opportunity? A lot of people, yes. But not all? Not all. Um, some people are just stuck in their ways. Okay. You know, and just can't get out of their own way. So but, how will you know when you interview people that they are seriously committed to a positive way of living? Um, I really feel like just this other step that Ted's trying to take with the with the psychotherapy step, um, 
the more a more therapeutic step instead of the the step that Trosa takes. You know, Trosa just just allows you know just about everybody sometimes. You know, okay. but but Ted's we're gonna our intake process is going to be the same. I but was going to say, what are you what are you gonna ask them, or what information will tell you? Yep, this one. So so Trosa evaluates. Their their admission process. Um, so I let's say okay, I go interview this guy at jail. I bring the information back, and one person, one person says, okay, yeah, this guy's accepted. Okay. What our approach is going to be a little different. We're going to sit. A group of us are going to make a decision on this one person. Okay. So it'll be it'll be it'll be more hands on to this one person. I need to come back in a year <laughs> and talk to you about what you've learned as a result of that. That's right. And and Ted's bringing his knowledge to the table. Absolutely. And so sure. it's just, it's, it's going to be spectacular. But to finish where I left yes, off, to finish where I left off, um so I was jail time in 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 the county jail and someone told me about Trosa, so I decided to write the, he wrote a letter for me to Trosa. And so I ended up getting accepted. I went to Trosa when I got out, um, and it was just it was just amazing. It changed it it changed my life. Um, just being surrounded by people that were all trying to get their life together. Yeah. Now, mid, mind you, like everybody in there is not really like some people are there at Dodge Tom or or this and that. But that's where we're gonna <coughs> we're we're going to weed out those people, right. you know, the people that just wants to come to this program to right. dodge time. Right. Because those, that's, some right. people do do that. Of course. Um, but in my, I stayed an extra year because I felt like I needed a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah, more yeah. time. I didn't want to rush out there because I would see people come and relapse and die when they leave. And I just, that, that scared me because I come from a whole family of addiction. I was just like, I got to stay this extra year, made a little small commitment to myself and, and then so in that year, I worked in the admissions department, going back to count, going back to jails, interviewing people, residents to come into the program. And so it just helped me. Trosa at that year, they give you a car to where you can go back to your hometown, see your family yeah. and come back, get drug tests and all yeah. that good stuff. Yeah. And so it was just it was a lot of growth in that year. Yeah. But at the end of that, it was time to spread my wings and, awesome. just, and just use all the tools that Trosa that Trosa instilled in me. And so. Um, that, and that's when I found Ted, when I moved up here to Pennsylvania with awesome. my second grade teacher. And, and so when I, when I, when I, before, I, before I, um, started to look for something like this, I made it, I, I told myself like, this is what I want to do with the West, with, with the rest of my life. Like I want to be you able want to, to help people. Yeah. I want to help people. I want to share my story on how I make it every day sober and four years and two more weeks. Who's <laughs> counting, right? That's, right? that's right. That's right. That's right. And so I'm just so grateful just to be that's in this awesome. position where I can share that's my story awesome. and help the next man and woman. Well, thank you for your service. Yes. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for what you plan to do to help all sorts of people. Thank all of you for Definitely. what it is you are planning to do here at Working together, is that correct? That's right. Yep. 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 And I want to thank you today for participating in the Be Inspired podcast. And I'm happy to come back for an update once the students get here or at any point in between or after. 
But once again, I want to thank all of you for participating. You want to say one well, more just thing? I want to say we encourage any and all people in the community that were interested to come by for a visit okay. and to come by and learn a little bit more about Sounds the good. project. Sounds yeah. good. There's a beautiful website that they can mm. get. Oh, it's yes, the website, website is workingtogether.org. Working work. No, work. Yep. Workingtogether.org. Work. Dot work. 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 Oh. <laughs> yeah, I did the Whoa. other one. I didn't know there was a dot, dot org. Dot org was taken, so it's workingtogether.org. I love it. I did not know there was that. <laughs> and you're, wel you're, welcome at, you're welcome at any time. We'd okay. love to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Be Inspired podcast. If you enjoyed the Be Inspired podcast, please subscribe to be notified of new episodes. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And we welcome you to suggest people, projects, and perceptions that inspire you, what the world needs now is inspiration. Contact me, Jane Stahl, at studiobbb.org or stop by Studio B. More information can be found in the episode notes. We are eager to meet you and learn what it is you love. This is the end of today's episode, and I hope you find your way today to be inspired.